Welcome to the Benito Juarez Experience. I am Luciano. Along with you, am. And today we're going to be talking about a recent event that happened in North Carolina. Specifically, we're going to be talking about how North Carolina's Senate Republicans have continued what some reporters have called the GOP's war on education. In order for this to make a little bit more sense, we're going to have to go back in time to Thursday, May 11th. But on Thursday, May 11th, what occurred was North Carolina's senators, their state senators, not their, not their federal level senators, were all gathered and they were engaged in a budget debate. What ultimately transpired has been a subject of some very confusing reporting, but what apparently happened was the Senate debate ran long, and it ran into the morning of Friday, May 12th. And at about 1 in the morning, the North Carolina senators split. The Senate Rules Chairman, uh, Bill Rabon, called for a recess at 1 in the morning, and the two parties went their separate ways. It is now being reported that the Republicans went to have private meetings to try and figure out how to bring the debate to a close. And when they came back at 3 in the morning, there was a proposed amendment to the bill that was on the table. And this proposed amendment has been the subject of some very intense reporting in North Carolina and a little bit of reporting on the federal level. What, it, what happens in it is that if this bill were to be passed the way that it's written right now, there would be Democratic districts that would be taking a budgetary blow in terms of the money that's being allocated to their schools. Specifically, what would be happening is that two early college high schools, which are things in North Carolina and in a couple of other states that allow low-income families and families of color to send their to college, for free would be losing nearly half a million dollars, specifically $316,000 in Northampton and Washington counties, which are counties that are represented by Senator Erica Smith Ingram. And additionally, there would be a STEM camp that serves many African-American families and low-income families would be banned from getting state funds. It, there are a few other things that are being affected by this, but these are the two big educational things that would be directly impacted by this bill if it were passed the exact way it's written right now. Yes, I have been reading about that. Uh, it's been an interesting year in North Carolina politics, to say the least, given that you know, you had first the, the whole attempted coup d'etat by the state legislature, uh, removing uh, powers from the governor uh, as the as the election, you know, as their election results showed that the Democratic candidate was going to win rather than than the Republican incumbent. And as, at the beginning of the year, that was. Uh, one of the probably the biggest political stories in the country, but and I, I, this particular incident makes me think of two things. Uh, 
as as you said, it is the you know it's called the uh, GOP war on education. I would say on public education, uh, and I uh, and I think it fits a pattern that we've seen over over the years with Republican politicians, particularly at the federal level, but more noticeably now that most state legislatures are controlled by Republicans at the state level uh, in which you know, public education has not become a priority. There's a lot of uh, privatization involved in terms of either vouchers uh, or charter schools or the sort, although Democrats are particularly, not necessarily big fans of vouchers, but certainly of uh, charter schools, but you know now we think of the larger patterns of you know best to the boss, which is one of the big uh, voucher kind of like reform kind of person, uh, or you know, what she calls reform, I would say, uh, kind of person, and. And so it doesn't really surprise me. What I find more interesting, and this is the second aspect, is is North Carolina seems to be one of the most polarized states in the country. Uh, because even though it's really, at, at least in, in perception, it seems like a purple state in the sense that you have now split power between a, a Republican governor and a uh, Democratic, I mean, a, a Democratic governor and Republican legislature. Uh, you have had senators, U.S. senators from both parties. Uh, you've had Barack Obama winning that state before, and you know that now being won by by Republicans in, in the last couple of cycles, but in very competitive margins. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't behave like a purple state in the sense that. Is there's no moderation, right? It's like uh, it's this high. So this this is a really intense state to be a politician, and I I don't think that recent events are going to help it along in any particular sense. Also, just so you know, on my end, you your call your audio just abruptly. Just so you understand why I started talking, I waited a few seconds just to make sure that there was nothing else that was being said or if my audio was acting up. But over here, being a politician is a very intense thing. The area that I live in is a notoriously liberal area. I live in Greensboro, which is part of Guilford County. But one of our senators is actually one of the leaders, one of our state senators um, on the local level is actually one of the leaders responsible for this. And that's really, it's really frustrating. Senator Phil Berger represents parts of Guilford County. And it's frustrating to see that he is, he's a Senate majority leader for the proper amount of context. He was one of the people who helped orchestrate this and make it happen. And he was also one of the most vocal defenders of this in the past couple of days. Just so you know, the day that we're recording this, which I feel is probably pretty important for people to get a proper understanding of everything, we're recording this on May 22nd, and this event started being reported on on May 13th. 
a couple of days ago he went and he tried to defend this and he tried to spin it. But the simple reality is that this is a really hard thing to try and spin and defend because this is a pretty overt attack on Democratic senators and the areas they represent. And it's also something that I would have thought was seen as a universal low blow. This isn't targeting senators. This isn't affecting them in any way. It's targeting their school districts. It's targeting their teachers and their students. And that seems cruel. So do you think... I mean, this is certainly going to become a battle uh, at some point, uh, probably a legal battle. Uh, and if I'm not wrong, in North Carolina, the judges are elect, and I'm not sure how how the balance of power is it's in there, but already some of the actions that the legislature has taken against the governor uh, have been held up in court. So the question is how they're going to uh, proceed with this, right? Uh, how... Democrats, has there been any talk about the Democrats having a plan of attack, or it's there, it's there, there, there in terms of how Democrats are trying to, given that they're still in the legislative minority, how they plan to uh, proceed. I, so from what I've seen, there hasn't been very much open discussion, at the very least discussion that's been Reported, I have no doubt that North Carolina's state-level Democrats are preparing something in response to this. But I, I'm reminded of the fact that the, North, the Supreme Court struck down a. They decided not to hear a case, um, a, a case that was appealed, talking about North Carolina's gerrymandering laws. I suspect that if someone were to try to send this to the Supreme Court it would be struck down. Uh, uh, my understanding of this, in terms of everything, is that if it's struck down, that means that they're forced to change it. I'm not saying that as someone who is a political science person, that's just my understanding of the way that this would work if it were sent to court. That's what people want them to do. There are people on the state level who are saying that they would like to see this be seen to the Supreme Court. They want this to be challenged. They want this to be fought because this is just vicious. And I think this goes in line with our previous episode on secularism and education and and the fact that we are seeing these these attacks on public education. And I think the, the North Carolina one, it's... It's really interesting because of his blatant partisan bent, but I, I, I think it tells you a lot about how we are seeing education in this country and how it it connects with you know the inequality that we're seeing growing, right? Uh, even though politicians constantly tout the power of education and particularly college education and a, a few of these schools are actually uh, a STEM like have strong STEM programs uh, for people of color which uh, are students of color which of course is you know it, STEM programs which is basically science technology engineering and math are usually touted as you know these key out of poverty um, because all the jobs are going to be in STEM, uh, 
except that, you know, at the point that you're replaced by robots, it's not going to matter anymore. But nevertheless, you know, there's, there are very racialized and economic uh, or social class uh, divisions in terms of the type of people who are legislating this and the type of people who are being affected by this. And so even though politicians are very good at talking the game that, you know, we need to improve our education, in reality, uh, what we have seen over the last few decades has been the erosion of, of the public education systems in different states uh, that now is in hyperdrive, not just because it seems that uh, ideologically Republicans with their war on government and their disdain for government have decided that, you know, education has, has to be a privatized good and how can you distribute uh, such a private, you know, such a, uh, such a good in a way that it's driven by the market and not really uh, by the government. One of the things that I find really frustrating about this specific case is that it showcases discrepancies and to a certain extent, hypocrisies in this rhetoric that a lot of people seem to think is pretty consistent conservative logic. I didn't mention this before because it wasn't one of the bigger things with this bill. It passed the same way in the House would do, but I feel like it matters a little bit more now. The GOP, at least in North Carolina, doesn't really believe that education should be privatized. What they're doing here is they're taking it away from Democrats. And the reason why I say this is that one of the things that was in the bill, which is a minor part, and it, and it is a lesser part of the overall bill, but it changes the counties that are included in a program which offers stipends to teacher assistants who are working on getting a college degree so that they can become full-fledged teachers. It takes it, it doesn't take money away from the program. What it actually does is it changes the counties where the program can be found and where teacher assistants can apply to. It changes it from seven Democratic counties to seven, uh, not seven, but to other counties that are represented by Republican senators. So it goes to show that the GOP doesn't actually, once again, in North Carolina, doesn't hate education and doesn't necessarily want to take it away. They're using it as a tool to hurt Democratic senators and to incentivize qualified teachers and educators to move to their areas rather than stay in democratic ones. I think that's a very good distinction. Uh, thank you for, for that particular uh, point of clarification. I, I think what I, what I find uh, astounding, you know, going back to the point of polarization, is the fact that it is so blatantly partisan that you know, I can't fathom, well, I can't fathom. We're talking about a, a pro-life party that only cares about life when it's in the womb, but once you get out of there, you're on your own. Uh, so it doesn't really surprise me, the fact that they not, not only, you know, don't really care about children, but also don't care about a particular type of children. Uh, and going back to a little bit to the point on polarization, the fact is that a lot of the polarization that we're seeing now in the country 
and partisanship, it's very racialized. Like, you know, the voting patterns of the you know, last few election cycles in particular have been very racialized. Majorities of, uh, of white Americans voting for Republicans and overwhelmingly uh, people of color voting for Democrats, even among groups that at some point were about to swing Republican, like Latinos and Asian Americans, uh, with the groups that, you know, in, in the early years of the, of, of the century, like the 2000-2004 election, those George W. Bush uh, compassionate conservatism elections were swinging to some extent toward the EOP, although not necessarily to the extent that ethnic polls were saying it. Immediately by 2008, uh, became overwhelmingly democratic, and even more so in 2012 and 2015. Uh, and I think these kinds of actions, like what we're seeing is, a lot of that movement nationally has been driven by young people, particularly and people of color, like Latinos and Asian American in particular, who are among the, you know, the, the, the very relatively young groups, uh, especially Latinos, are kind of driving that what I call the left turn uh, of people of color. And actions like this basically are going to reinforce uh, those patterns. I, I think that this is, this is something that's greatly frustrating to me. And I agree with a lot of what you're saying. One of the big things that I'm worried about is that because of actions like this, people will continue to vote for not necessarily Republicans, because I'm not going to go as far as to say that this is entirely a Republican problem. Although I probably do think that this is more or less a Republican problem, I've genuinely never heard of Democrats doing something this vicious. At the very least, not in this century. And one of the things that frustrates me about this is that no one is really talking about this outside of North Carolina. One of the main things that I noticed was a lack of media coverage about this, aside from the Washington Post, which was the only national media outlet, or more or less national media outlet, I saw that was reporting on this. And it's, I think that that's something that's worrying because to me that's a sign that the GOP is going to get away with this and that they're going to take this as a reason to try and do it elsewhere, which is worrying because they, the media didn't call them out on it, at the very least not in any way that I saw outside of North Carolina. When I reported about this on Patheos, I wrote an article that was very similar not very similar, but I wrote an article that talked about other examples of this happening and other partisan events in North Carolina, and then I made it mostly about this event. People told me that they didn't know that this was happening. And I'm find it, I find it worrying that if people, if the GOP thinks that they can get away with this, they're going to try to do it elsewhere and in more vicious and more blatant ways because the media is covering other events. And it's understandable that the media is covering other events, but the media is one of the main ways we can stop this sort of partisan attack. I think you touch on a very important topic, and it's the fact that the media also has become nationalized, and a lot of the news outlets out there are 
national and for local stories like these to break into into you know papers like the Washington Post or the New York Times. It's getting harder, and it's getting harder in two ways. One is you know the consolidation of media, fewer local media outlets, local newspapers that have, have been disappearing. Uh, and probably if the EPA were functioning at this point, they should be put into the endangered species. Uh, protection by the, in the, under the Endangered Species Act because local news media has been disappearing for a while. Uh, but also the fact that there is so much stuff going on right now at the national level. Like the, you know, we, we were talking before about the, you know, the Russia stuff that is happening and that if you leave Twitter for two minutes, something new is going to come up and you're already, you know, all the stuff you know, it's old. Um, so there is, I think that, that those factors are conflating with each other and are basically affecting the way that uh, we can pay attention to these kind of stories. And also the fact that I think to a lot of extent people are, tuning out, like thinking that this is like politics as usual, which is not. This, this is not normal politics, or maybe it, it's about to become, and um, we're just in a period of transition. One of the things that I think is going on right now is that people are getting used to a new normal, and also, when it comes to this sort of thing, people don't have the exact same sort of context that you have as someone who specializes in politics, and that I have as someone who specializes in history have. People don't have the same base of knowledge. We understand that this is a normal, and while other people hear over and over and over again that this isn't normal, they don't really know if this is or isn't. And I think that if education gets cut, then people are going to have less time and less resources to establish that this is not, in fact, normal. What this specific thing did was it mostly affected them. Right now, that's not the hugest deal in the world. That's something that people should care about. It's something that people should fight as much as they can. But there are more present dangers that this thing could do and that if this is allowed to be normalized, it eventually will do. Uh, I remember in Texas, one of the ways that people criticized the GOP's so-called war on education was that they wanted to have boards that changed history curriculums to include Moses as a founding father. And I'm worried that sooner or later that there are going to be people who try to directly attack history boards, make it so that history education is affected, and that will directly affect people's ability to understand whether or not this is normal. This isn't normal. You and I know that, and lots of people understand that. But sooner or later, this will start to feel normal. And it's important that we make it clear to children and students that this isn't and that this has never been normal. This is not the way that things are supposed to be. I think that's an excellent point. It also reminds me of uh, another also racialized attack which happened in Arizona, and I think at some point also happened in Texas, which was the elimination of the uh, Latino studies curriculum uh, from Arizona public schools, uh, and basically the idea was that, you know, these uh, 
teaching Latino history, at teaching Latino kids about their history, teaching kids about Latino history, and particularly teaching Latino kids about their history, uh, was racist, and that you know it was it, it basically taught kids that white people were bad and oppressors, and you know kind of like the truth. But anyway. Uh, and so they basically started defunding these programs uh, in Texas. I don't, I'm not sure if it was in Texas or was in Arizona or probably somewhere else. There was also an attempt to show that basically the civil rights movement wasn't, you know, really a fight uh, by African Americans to earn their uh, their rights, but in essence. Uh, white people <laughs> gave them their rights because you know they felt that you know they were nice, uh, and it was about time. You know, long story short, or the uh, recently caught mistake in a history book. Although this is not necessarily has to deal with politics, but also the kind of mm, uh, frame of mind of of many uh, educators in which slaves were. Uh, Identified or, or uh, as as immigrants in a yep. in a textbook. That one, that that one really floored me, and that one happened when I was still in high school. Um, not the most recent ones. I remember that, like in 2014, I think it was when there was a textbook that parents started getting very upset about because in the textbook, it it does compare um, it does compare slavery to immigration, and this is a really common thing, and in, I'm really glad that people are fighting against it, but this is the sort of thing that people need to keep their eyes on, and to an extent, this is how things like that start. This bill, which targets schools, what specific schools, and deprives them of resources, this is the beginning of something vaguely similar to that, and it's something that people need to keep their eyes on, and of course, it's really hard to keep your eyes on it, with everything that's going on internationally, and not only internationally, but even just within the United States, even just within the city of Washington, D.C. Even just Pennsylvania so Avenue. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exhausting trying to keep up with everything, but it's something that we have to do. We can't flip on this. We can't just, we can't just act like this is normal. We, and the thing that's really frustrating is that this is all exhausting. It's not enough that there's constantly events happening 24-7 that we have to pay attention to. Now it's events within specific states. Heck, it's events within specific communities that are going on and places that are being targeted. And then there's just so much to keep up with. But if we slip for even a second, this is what at least some parts of the GOP are willing to do. These are the levels that they're willing to stoop. Absolutely, and yeah, well, as someone who basically has to follow events like this for a living, uh, I can't tell you how tiring it is. You know, one of the pieces of advice is stay vigilant, but also take care of yourself. Find a hobby that doesn't involve looking at Twitter and find a way to disconnect uh, because the FOMO or the fear of missing out is strong in, in those of us who are political junkies, but at the same time, it can be overwhelming. It can, it can lead to a lot of stress and 
and you know fe feeling tired at, and and sometimes you know it, when when a lot of stuff is going on and uh, hopelessness can can hit you but you know i really want to thank you for bringing this particular topic today uh, because it's it's really you know it's really important it tells you a lot of the stuff that is it's happening in, across the country, and again, as as, uh, as secular Americans who we say that we care about education, these are the you know kind of type of issues uh, that we should be also be paying attention to. Uh, it's not just you know science textbooks uh, and and the like, but you know funding and you know, particularly racialized and class attacks on on students, on children. Because at the end of the day, sure, it's democratic districts, but it's children who are being affected, not the legislators. This is, this is one of the really important things about politics that people often forget. A lot of times, politics doesn't affect the people who are making the decisions. And that's, that's one of the harder things to realize about politics because it's easy to think of politicians as making decisions for themselves, but they're not always making decisions for themselves. And this is one of the reasons why it, it's important that people pay attention to local level politics because this isn't a national level thing, but it still affects thousands of students in rural counties in North Carolina who live in what people think of as a really solid state. My final thoughts on this are that I'm glad that I had the opportunity to raise awareness of this on a broader level than on just my writing. I really appreciate that I was able to have this conversation with you about this topic, and I hope that people stay vigilant. And this is probably not the last word on this, so if something else happens, uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted either on our page uh, slash also Twitter or uh, our Facebook page or on Twitter uh, if we don't have a time to, to do a full-fledged show with the, you know, with the update. <laughs>